is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today I'm talking to Peter Snyman of the Lighthouse Church, Cape Town. In the dark days of apartheid, Lighthouse was one of the first churches in South Africa to open its doors to all nations. They're a church of a couple of thousand people, but over the years God gave them an increasing burden, not just to be a large church, but to reach the unreached. Despite many attempts and the best of intentions, they lacked the simple methods to turn the vision that God had given them into reality. Then in 2010, God brought David Brudrick along. David introduced Peter Snyman and the church leadership to some simple methods of discovery Bible study that would help get them started in fueling disciple-making movements. I began by asking Peter about the impact in the community of their new approach to making disciples. We've, we've, got, we've got a lot of people, for instance, that are homeless, mm-hmm. a lot of people um, on the streets, a lot of people that are uh, um, with the homelessness. There's there's alcohol abuse and drugs and things. Uh, now I recognise that that's not necessary. Uh, the kind of people that that are conduits for for movement in terms of influencing large sectors of the of society. But we've certain we've certainly seen um, lives changed and impacted uh, radically. Um, for instance, someone that's that's the discipling people that are homeless and on the street uh, through discovery Bible studies and people of um, they've got so many stories of how many people have come off the street that are no longer on the street. Uh, people that have now found work, um, prostitutes that have you know um, come into the family and and are accepted and loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a, in a community where they, they thought there was no ways that they would be shunned, you know, drug dealers uh, coming coming to the Lord. All through those string of relationships, um, guys that are discovering God together and learning how to respond in obedience. Mm. Um, so that's a stream, a particular stream that, that we see things happening then. Uh, you get off right off to how this thing jumps uh, a community uh, that we were discipling that's about <clears throat> an hour and a half, two hours away from Cape Town. And then they started discipling other guys in a farming community uh, that is about 30 minutes away from them. Those guys on the farms and stuff started walking in in, in 42 degree you know, summer uh, heat of heat of the day would walk five kilometers to other farms and other people to start discipling them. Uh, so you find you find it in in environments like that. And you get environments like uh, the the business, the workplace. We went to a, to a lady that is a, a what is she a, a general a general in the police, a very high high ranking officer. And we went into her office. I thought she was just an old little lady sitting there in our congregation, really. 
I didn't know her from a bar of soap. I thought she's just a little old lady. And I found out she's a she's a high ranking officer. I think she's a general. And um, we went into the workplace there, and she's just discipling people in the workplace. In her offices, they're having uh, discovery Bible studies in the office there, and and you knew uh, nothing of this. I didn't know anything about it, you know. Mm. Uh, and and you just see things like that uh, that that just surprise you, you know, people that. They're so insignificant, you know. I mean, they're not flashy. They don't in the celebration. You would wouldn't even know the difference. Mm-hmm. And they're in the marketplace or they're where they have influence. They are just they are see, seen as, as as you know leaders that are just storming uh, storming the gates. Um, we had we had a community in. Um, just before the World Cup of the Soccer World Cup, they're, uh, uh, they kind of rounded all the people, they, all the different communities that were living on the streets. They rounded them up and put them in one township, literally one township with the tin shacks. They, they put up these, these tin shacks, brand new tin shacks, but it's just tin shacks. I mean, that's all it was, and they gave them different numbers and put the different communities into different segments of this little township. It's actually called Tin Shack Town, mm-hmm. you know, or, or Tin Town. And um, so we just felt, let's just go, let's just go and pray there. And we started walking through through that community, and man, within a half an hour, you could pick up three, four people of peace that are key. And um, we just started following them up. And in no time, they were they were discipling and, and reproducing amongst that those communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we've seen as, as a result is those, those communities were promised housing, and it took a long time. They haven't, haven't happened. But now, slowly but surely, they, when they move out of these, this, this, this township, they move back into all these communities that they came from, which is like so diverse, so many different nationalities, different you know uh, um, types of communities, and they've been discipled there in this little tin shack town uh, and started reproducing. But now they're reproducing back in the communities that they're going to. So you you've seen God use just mm. most incredible people, you know, from high-ranking officers to to people literally that come off the street and um, and it's able to reproduce in, in, in all of those settings, you know, literally from the business marketplace, um, guys that are doing discovery Bible study in the offices and, and that there's one guy, he'd been in our, in our congregation all, all his life, literally. And after years, only last year, he said, we had a testimony of an eight-year-old girl um, eight-year-old, her dad was doing Discovery Bible study, and she said, well, I can do this. They live in an area that's pretty rough, gangs and stuff going on. But she says there's kids playing out in the park here every day. And she started, eight years old, she started Discovery Bible study mm-hmm. out in the park. She's been doing it for two years now. She's 10 years old. Um, 
she came to our leadership meetings and she brought the kids she's discipling. She sees herself as a leader. She's been there every leadership meeting. But the the funny thing is this guy that's been at church all the years, you know, mature guy, heard all the stories. Finally, he heard her story and said, well, now I have no more excuse. Mm-hmm. And um, he started something in his in his workplace, and they literally do it in thirty minutes. I mean, he's got it he's got it really down. But the cool thing is, those people are reproducing it back in their homes and their families. They're taking it out of the office and they they doing it with their children. You know, so those those I will never ever see those people in our yes. congregation. Yeah, so they're not even, those groups aren't even counted in your 180. No, we don't know of those. We know, we'll count the guy that's in the in the workplace because yeah. we know of him. <laughs> but yeah, we don't know of all the stuff that happens, you know, in the, in the, in the homes and, and none of that is counted. We only actually count the guys that we are directly involved in mentoring and coaching relationships with. And those groups, some of them will, like you've said, will be part of the network of groups that that make up the church. Are any of the groups forming and identifying themselves as church? Um, not yet, not to a, not to a large extent. In fact, we've just come back from meetings uh, today. Uh, we've been away for the last three three days, and one of the things that we were talking about was how to be more intentional in 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 establishing leadership teams uh, uh, that will facilitate what we call medium medium sized communities or medium sized gatherings, where these guys really would. Uh, not that we'll say you have to do that, but those are that naturally won't relate to it, our church culture, that you can, can create a, a, a environment and serve um, with a leadership team to, to create an environment where they can experience community and the aspects of, of church life that they wouldn't experience just in one discovery group. Um, so we, we're starting now to, to start recognizing that that's something that we have to work hard at creating. And they, those will be churches by, by, by any definition probably, but won't carry our name or be recognized as, you know, that is, that is a lighthouse um, church. Um, that's happened to a small degree um, with, with some of those people, um, a, not, a large percentage of, of Cape Town and particularly our congregation come from the Cape Flats and from the low income groups. We've got a few that come from um, the more, let's say, protected and sheltered groups where they're busy in the marketplace and they don't really, uh, they work six, seven days a week. And, and uh, among some of them, there's a, there's, a, there's a community that is formed that see themselves as, as church and um, have formed a, a, um, a mid-sized community where they are gathering and encouraging each other and doing leadership development and all of that. And very few of them are part of our congregation, mm. but they're part of church 
in in a different way. They haven't given it a name. They haven't you know begun anything official. They're not looking at appointing leadership or any of that. So it hasn't gone to that level of saying we are a, a church, but they're experiencing church life without being part of our congregation as a as a mid sized community. So. Okay. We mm-hmm. we only have one group that's not like that, but we're going to be much more intentional from now on to to see that happen, particularly for the tribes that won't relate to our church church culture. Or for some of those groups you set out in the villages where there's a distance issue. Yeah. Well, it's not the villages so much. It's it's it's, it's that that one that that happened out on the farms. Hmm. They they become a church. Hmm. And uh, they church out in the farms in the community. Um, even though mo- many of them are farm laborers, they've told the farmer, "We're taking ownership of this." Hmm. They even rejected uh, him him taking them, transporting them around to do it. They said, "We'll take ownership of it. We'll do it." So they become a church community out there. But hmm. within the city, we see it's going to look very different in terms of of facilitating these small group communities that are based on kind of a, 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 a urban tribal identity. Um, hasn't hasn't happened to a large degree, but that's one of the next things we have to work on strongly. And David said you're also playing a role now in um, mobilizing other believers, other churches to, to reach the city. Yeah, well, we 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 formed a coalition in in Cape Town of those who are involved in disciple making, and the idea is initially was obviously to say how can we just encourage anyone that's making disciples or wants to make disciples how can we encourage them to do that? So we got we got that you know the the great thing about uh, DMM, which is different from anything I've experienced in church world before, is no one's marking territory. In the, in the cell church, everyone was marking. Sorry. <laughs> no. Okay. We'll just just start from the great thing about DMM. Yeah. In in cell church before we were involved in, everyone was marking territory. Everyone was so protective over their group and they were threatened by someone else starting a group down the road, even if they were from the same congregation, because we had these zones and we had these districts and everyone was so protective of their territory and because the idea was you're trying to grow your group so that if you can multiply your group and you can have four group, four cells and you can become a you know, zone super, supervisor and there was a lot of vested interest in, 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 in controlling actually that thing for, for your own growth and your own benefit. In DMM, the great thing is no one is threatened, no one is intimidated. Uh, the value is making disciples. And if anyone anywhere down the road is willing to make disciples, we're saying, how can we help you to do it? And and so that's it's really so easy to come together with people that are uh, got the same heart to make disciples because no one's intimidated by anyone else, no one's threatened by anyone else. All saying, how can we encourage you? How can we help you? How can we do it better? And so we started eventually asking, what will it take to disciple the city? And uh, we're a long ways from 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 really being good at it or very strategic. We recognize in a city like Cape Town, we're probably going to have to have hundreds of, of coalitions 
mm. eventually to to be effective. But at least those that are doing it um, are getting together. We get together at least a monthly basis and encourage each other and see how we can work together. We also um, had a just once we had a celebration, which was really cool. Just telling stories of some of what God is doing in the city, and anyone interested in in DMM was able to come, and and that was cool. We might do that again, um, but it's slow, it's slow, but it's starting to happen more and more. I'm getting uh, uh, other churches and other pastors that are asking help us to do it. So at the moment, I know of only about three churches in in Cape Town that that are under this journey in in different in different uh, in different. Uh, phases of it um, but more and more are saying before no one was ever asking the question now a lot of the guys are asking you know how can we do it and and part of us being a coalition is to be able to serve uh, not just to train better but also to be uh, taking each other's answer how can we how can we equip those guys how can we serve those guys how can we be a testimony of of what God is doing, and it's really a testimony of of a different spirit, because really I've never in 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 I grew up in the ministry. I was my dad was the pastor when I was born. I've never seen in the church world um, ever before uh, something like this that there's absolutely no one in competition, no one threatened. Everyone's absolutely as a kingdom agenda to say, if you're willing to make disciples, how can I help you? What can we do to strengthen this? And uh, so that's that's starting in the coalition, and and hopefully, like I say, it's eventually gonna gonna grow, and and eventually there'll be many many coalitions within the city that's saying within our particular area, or within this particular tribe, or within this particular segment of society, how can we, you know? But the question is, what will it take to disciple the city and? That is, that is our responsibility, obviously. How has your role changed as a senior leader from, I guess, when you began this journey to where you are today? Well, yeah, I never, I never really saw myself as a, as a pastor. Um, I got, I got a lot of passion for, for, for a lot of things and. For, for God's purposes in the nation, and and I serve our team of the gift of leadership, but I never really saw myself as a as a as a pastor. So there's aspects of the pastoral role uh, that I didn't I didn't really enjoy in the past. <laughs> um, I can honestly say to guys, yeah, I love what I'm doing now. I, I mean, I I love it because we don't we don't fight with anyone. We don't have to convince anyone. We don't have to debate with anyone. We don't have to get anyone to do anything they don't want to do. We literally are just saying, Holy Spirit, where are you working? How can we work with you? Who are you working in? Who, who are you stirring in? So we just work with people that that the Holy Spirit has prepared. We're just investing in, in people that are willing to obey. We, we're putting all our energy and in in, in developing leaders that want to do it. Uh, so, man, ministry is, is <laughs> it's, it's a whole different world than, than having to try and 
beg people to do stuff or guilt people into doing stuff or debate the people or try to uh, fight and get into church politics and protect your turf and all of that stuff, man. We don't have any of that, any of that. There's no, even on the staff, in, even on my on my staff, man, there's no one with any other agendas and trying to, mm. you know, get ahead in life and develop their own little ministry thing, you know, none of that. It's just, it's literally, they're challenges. Man, there's incredible challenges. It's it's not easy, but it's it's fun. It's certainly not, not you know, um, trying to flog a dead horse or <laughs> trying to convince anyone or getting to political you know wars or any of that. Um, so that's changed. That's changed ministry really incredibly. I think for anyone that's tried to get into a debate and convince, try to convince someone to accept the Lord and why his religion is wrong and why his point of view is wrong. You know that stuff is is killing, but. Ministry used to be like that, you know. Much of ministry used to be like that. Always fighting, you're always arguing, you're always trying to sort out problems and get straightened people out. And so now most of our time is just invested in people who want to, and um, you're just investing in that. You investing in in that leadership, and you you developing them, encouraging them, and so yeah, it's a whole different world. <laughs> And I love it, man. Yeah. If you enjoyed that interview with Peter, you want to listen to the interview with David Brudrick on how churches can spark disciple-making movements, it was recorded on August the 7th, 2014. You'll find it on the Movements Podcast. Goodbye till next time.